two scriptures this morning that I want to take time to have us consider. The first is just a mere fragment that comes out of John's Gospel in John 15, where Jesus is talking to his disciples about abiding in him and he in us and, and how the world will hate his disciples. And, and in, a, in what is just really a fragment of a verse, Jesus invites us to consider a possibility. And Jesus says to his disciples, If I had not come, if I had not come. And then in Paul's letter to the Galatians, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Apostle Paul says to the Christians in Galatia, he says, But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law. I'm intrigued by the words of Jesus there in John 15, where He suggests this possibility, what would it be like if, if I had not come? What if Jesus had not come to earth? What if He had not been born as a baby in Bethlehem? What if He had not walked the dusty roads of Judea? What if He had not uttered those wonderful words that we call the Sermon on the Mount? What if He had not walked on water? What if He had not made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk? What if... Jesus had never been raised from the dead as He had promised. What if we didn't have His words to comfort us when we go through life's troublesome seas? What if we didn't have His Word to challenge us, to teach us, to lead us? What if Jesus had not died on the cross? What if He had never risen from the dead? What if He never sent His disciples out into the world to go and preach the Gospel and teach all to obey everything that He had commanded? What if? Where would we be? What kind of world would this be? As sin-sick as this world is, what kind of a world would it be if Jesus had not come? How would things be different? In just a few weeks, we will once again celebrate the, the anniversary of the birth of Christ. To be sure, it's not exactly 2,000 years ago, but it's close enough. We're not sure exactly what day Jesus was born on, and, and we're not sure what day really is His birthday. It might be December 25, but it well could not be. No one knows for certain. The fact that we don't know the exact day or year should not upset or disturb our faith in God. Because the great message of the Christian faith is found in the declaration that God was made manifest in the flesh. John, did you hear it in our call to worship? John says, the Word was with God in the beginning. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the only begotten of the Father. This is what makes our Christian faith so different from all the other religions of the world. The, world. the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was God incarnate, fully man, yet somehow fully God. That is the center of our faith. And everything derives from that one fact. And I believe that the dating of His birth is a secondary matter. Jesus says to His disciples, if I had not come, <coughs> what then? But of course, on this side of Bethlehem and Calvary, we know that He did come. 
And history has been forever changed because Jesus came. And that's what matters. We know that for over 30 years, a little over 30 years, the Son of God walked on this earth. And, and, and because He did come, that nothing has been the same since His coming. He came, and in His coming, He changed the face of all human history. What is the meaning of His coming? Paul, in the second verse that we're considering this morning, uh, asks us to consider God's timing. He says that, but when He had, referring to Jesus, the Son of God, when He had fully come, that phrase, fully come, is, is a very... Uh, uh, picturesque. It's a word picture uh, used. It's a Greek expression. It speaks of something that is, is completed, is, is fully developed, like a ripe apple ready to, to be picked, or like a pregnant woman who is in her 40th week of labor, feeling labor pains and, and the urge to push, ready to deliver her baby. That's what this word is that he, when he had, the time had fully come. It describes a moment in history when all things were readied and in place, when all the pieces were on the game board, that one moment when the stage was perfectly set for the coming of God into our earth. And at that moment, one translation says, Galatians 4.4, in the nick of time, Jesus was born of Mary. Not one moment early, not one moment late. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. I, I want to remind you of, of the preparation work that God had been about before He sent His Son. I mean, here we are. It was a period of international peace. For only the second time in the history of the Roman Empire, the doors of the Temple of Janus, the God of War, were closed. Second time in the history of Roman history. It was a time of peace. Meaning that the Roman Empire was not at war anywhere in the known world at that time. It was called the period of the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. It meant that the, the whole Mediterranean world was united under one government, under Rome. No doubt you've heard it said before that all roads lead to Rome. In, in this time in which Jesus was born, that was literally true. The Romans had built a road system that stretched from Rome in all directions. It is absolutely amazing as we traveled in the Holy Land. And, and even last summer as I was traveling in, in uh, England and in Scotland, there's evidences of the Roman Empire stretching out viaducts and roadways all over the Roman Empire, which allowed Rome to not only exert it, its power, and influence, but don't you forget, God had a purpose in all of this. He was sovereign. Why was it important that this road system and the, and the world was at peace at that time? Because it enabled the gospel to spread quickly to all parts of the known world. At that time, the common language was Greek throughout the entire Roman Empire, which made it easier for the message of Jesus to come to the masses. God had prepared this from the beginning of time. Think of it. Not only was it a time of international peace, it was a time of religious 
ferment. Across the empire, the mystery religions were in decline. There were so many gods in ancient Greece at the time of Christ's birth that one historian called Greece one large altar. Religion was everywhere. And Judaism, Jewish religion, was ripe for the Messiah to come. The Jewish people had migrated to every corner of the ancient world. Judaism flourished as the Jews built synagogues wherever they went. And and where did Christianity begin? It began, it emerged from the womb of Jerusalem. Early church worship was modeled after synagogue worship. Where did the Apostle Paul start a ministry when he went in to plant a church? Where did he start it? In a synagogue. You see, the Jews had, had gone around and they built synagogues in every town and village. God had a plan and a purpose. Historians tell us that in the centuries preceding the coming of Christ, that there was a feeling of unrest, an undefined expectation of something that was about to happen. And that is why the Apostle Paul, when he stood on Mars Hill in the great city of Athens in A.D. 50, could refer to the altar of the unknown God as a jumping-off spot for the proclaiming of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was lots of religion And there was lots of expectation. And there was wanting something to fill the God-shaped void within. And God knew just the right time in history to bring all of these various threads together. Not only was it a time of religious ferment and international peace, it was a time of moral decline. There are some who contend that today in our modern history in the 21st century, that we are very much in the same situation morally as was the case in the first century when Christ was born. Athens was in the late afternoon of its glory. The gods of Greece and Rome no longer could command the blind allegiance of the masses of people. Education, philosophy, great art created desires that they could not meet. And in the end, the verdict was clear that Athens could produce Aristotle and Socrates and Euripides and Aristophanes, that Rome could produce Seneca and Cicero and Juvenal and Tacitus and Suetonius and Julius Caesar. But the best man out of Greece and the best man out of Rome was not enough to to realize the hunger of man's soul. Nothing could fill the God-shaped vacuum inside the human heart. Art, literature, poetry, music, architecture, even the greatest military machine the world had ever known, all of it taken together could not provide meaning to life or point the way to lasting forgiveness or offer any answer to the three questions we all must answer. What are those three questions? Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? And my point this morning is to to paint for you a picture that this time of ripening fruit, when Paul says, when the time had fully come, when the stage was set, then in that moment, God sent forth His Son born of a woman. Even the Roman poets at that time indicate that the condition of the heathen during this time in human history was absolutely 
deplorable. And they all saw the condition of men's souls, but they were powerless to do anything about it. They knew the truth, at least part of it, but they had no power to to affect lasting change. And this is the world, my friends, this is the world into which Christ came. It is the world that Paul describes so graphically in his opening words of his letter to the Romans in Romans chapter 1. A world that knew the truth but suppressed the truth, ignored the true God, and turned to idolatry. It was a world that was given over to paganism, to sexual immorality, to homosexuality, to murder, perversion, dishonesty, and brutality. It was a world of broken promises, broken dreams, broken homes, and broken hearts. Doesn't it sound like our world today? And into that darkness, into that time in human history, God shined a light in a stable, in an obscure backwater town called Bethlehem. Here was this perfect timing of God. If Christ had not come, I come back to my starting point, to the words of Jesus. If I had not come. If Christ had not come, how would the world be different? I want you to let your minds go wild for a moment. I don't often give you that permission. Let your mind go wild for a moment. Imagine that for just a moment that some powerful hand has wiped the influence of Jesus Christ out of our civilization as a hand would clean a blackboard in a schoolroom. Would expunge the name of Jesus. Just imagine. You could go to a public library, a university library, to the Library of Congress and find no trace left of the life or words of Jesus. Every reference to Jesus Christ, born in Nazareth, totally expunged. All has vanished. You could go on the Internet and bring up Google. Did you see how much the man that uh, invented Google is paying for his wedding on some great island? Unbelievable. But let's say that's another topic. Let's say you go onto Google and you type in Jesus Christ into your search engine. And you get no hits or responses whatsoever. Just imagine that you've, if you traveled through the great museums of the world looking for the, the painting that depicted the transfiguration of Jesus or, or Da Vinci's Last Supper or Christ on the Cross as you went through these great museums, that now, instead of these great classic paintings, these masterpieces, now there was just blank space in the museum. The great works of the masters are gone. The the great cathedrals of Europe have disappeared. The greatest poems of Dante and Milton, of Wordsworth and Tennyson, they've all gone, left without a trace. If Christ had not come... The Christian hospitals and schools that have had such a magnificent influence both at home and abroad would all perish as if shaken down by some cosmic earthquake if Christ had not come. 
If Christ had not come, all the churches and their good works would be totally erased from the earth. No more Wheaton. No more Asbury or Houghton or Moody Bible Institute. No more Concordia University. No Notre Dame. No Harvard. No Yale. No Christian Radio. No WCPL or GOJ. No Christian TV. TBN gone forever. No Christian books. No Christian magazines. Gone is Christianity Today and Leadership Journal. No Christian music of any kind. No great hymns. No praise choruses. No gospel songs. No Billy Graham crusades. No Martin Luther. No John Calvin. No A.B. Simpson. No A.W. Tozer. No Reformation. No prison fellowship. No missionaries spreading the gospel round the world. No Wycliffe Bible translators. No Christian relief agencies bringing hope and help to the hurting people of the world. No Christian doctors or lawyers or dentists. No godly business people donating their time and resources for Christ in His kingdom. Think of it. No, if Christ did not come, no Christmas carols, no Project Angel Tree, no children singing in their annual pageant away in the manger, no sweet little Jesus boy, no I'll be home for Christmas, no Christmas Eve services in which we sing Silent Night and light our individual candles to celebrate the birth of Christ. If Christ had not come, no churches anywhere, no First Alliance Church, we would not be here. No building, no staff, no choir, no sanctuary, no worship, no sermon. Don't you dare say amen. (laughs) Because we would have nothing to preach if Christ had not come. No Awana, no Sunday school, no youth group, no epic faith, none of the things that we take for granted, all would be gone, vanished into a mist if Christ had not come. But the news would be even worse than that. If Christ did not come, the promises of God would be unfulfilled. If Christ did not come, the world would still be in a condition of spiritual darkness. If Christ had not come, there would be no bridge to to span the gulf of sin. If Christ had not come, we would not know or understand that God is love. If Christ had not come, there would be no gospel to declare or preach or to believe in. If Christ had not come, there would be no Christmas or Easter If Christ had not come, it would make burying our loved ones far more hopeless. If Christ had not come, you and I still would be lost because there would be no Savior for our sin. Just think of what it would be like if Christ had not come. But listen to the words of the angels and think of what it means for us through this perspective. Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Here's the good news of the gospel. I'm going to shoot my wad. This is all I have as a preacher, all any preacher has. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Jesus said, If I had not come, but I say, Praise be to God. He loved us enough. He was merciful enough to send His only Son. And according to the declaration of Paul, when the time had fully come, God sent forth His Son. So what does this mean to us today? I think several things that we can learn from this. The first of of the lessons that I draw from this wonderful truth that Christ has come is the marvel of God's providence. The marvel of God's providence. God's providence means that He rules over the affairs of men and nations. We believe that we serve a provident God who's beneficent, who's kind, who's merciful, and who rules as the sovereign God over all of our lives. And and as it pleases Him, God, as the God of providence, can raise up one ruler and bring another ruler down. God, as the God of providence, can, can move the entire course of human history so that, that all will be ready, even as He did in the coming of His Son, Jesus. And friends, I want to remind you that, that without this, without a God of providence, there is no, no other hope. With God, there's no fate. There is no coincidence. With God, nothing... Do you believe this? With God, nothing ever happens by accident. Never happens by accident. There's no coincidence with God. All things are working together as a part of His eternal plan. That's why I take such confidence of the situation in which we find ourselves. God, You are over all. You are the sovereign God. You are the Lord of heaven and earth. This is no mistake. The fact that, that gas has migrated over there and, and the fact that we're in this whole situation kind of stumbling along looking for a permanent solution. Uh, God, you know about this. You're, you're not threatened by this. Uh, you haven't lost a night of sleep over this uh, because He who uh, watches over Israel, what does the Scripture say? He never slumbers or sleeps. He, he's always on the job. He's providentially working. He is at work even when, when we're resting. He, he knows. Nothing ever happens by accident with God. And all things are working together for good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. You know, sometimes we have to put these promises of God. We, we need to let the rubber meet the road. Uh, for, thank you, Norm. Were you once a Baptist? <laughs> Let me be real with you for a moment. I'm not always hopeful. I'm not always mindful of the fact that God is sovereign and in control. Friday morning when Kathy and I had our quiet time together as a couple, we, our practice is to read the Scriptures and pray together. I was so discouraged. I was so frustrated. We wept before the Lord. 
I was so blue and down. I said to God, Lord, if, if you don't step in and give us what we need, I don't know how I can take one step forward today. Even when we finished praying, we wiped away the tears. I finished getting ready to come into the office. And sometime in the midst of the morning, God's Holy Spirit washed over me like the rolling seas. And there was divine peace within. And I had a bounce in my step. And I had an email from Sandy Maley. And she gave me a verse of Scripture. And she said these things. Fear not, fear not. Because God is hardening us to difficulty. I'll tell you what, my chest came up from below and puffed out. I went into that meeting with the neighbors, loved them, tried to reflect Christ's glory, talked to the media, which is something I hate to do. I came home that night for supper. I came in bouncing like Tigger on Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Kathy said, wow, you're different than you were when you left this morning. Friends, I, I think that we've got to get real with our Christian faith. That it's not always mountaintop. There are times, sometimes when we will feel low in the valley. There are times when we'll be discouraged and we'll feel, hope will be dim within us. But I want us to remember some basic foundational truths that when we are in those times, God has not abandoned us. He has not left us. He is, he, he, he is there at work behind the scenes because He is a provident God. And even as He was preparing all the things in human history for the birth of His Son, so He is at work in our lives today. Do you believe that with all of your heart? Amen. Fear not, child of God. Fear not. God's timing is perfect. Some of us need to hear this because we wonder and some of us secretly fear that God has forgotten us. Perhaps you are at a place in your life and journey with God where you are feeling a sense of unfulfillment and perhaps a sense of dread about what's going to come this week or next week or next year. Fear not. God is on the throne. He is sovereign and He is a provident God. When the time had fully come, Paul says, God sent His Son. And when the time is fully come for you, when it is ripened, God will be true to His promises, which are yes and amen in His Son, Jesus Christ. This points to the vast importance of Jesus. And surely this is the major point of my message today, that Jesus is the center of human history. History is really His story planned and told by God. Secular history gives us dates and times and places and people, but only God can bring truth, meaning to history. History, the birth of Christ, 
is the hinge on which the door of all history swings. He came at a time which was appointed by God, not a moment too late, not a second too early. That's one of the things you have to learn about God. You want Him to do it now, do it now. But I found that at the 11th hour, in the last moment, when all hope is gone, God comes shining through. At the appointed time, God sent forth His Son to be the Savior of the whole world. Christ came so that you and I might be saved from our sin and might have hope for eternal life and live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So the question becomes, what will you do with Jesus Christ? One final note. Our text tells us that God sent forth His Son and that while He was moving toward us, that we were moving away from Him. God sent His Son into a world that didn't know He was coming and didn't care that He had arrived. There was no official welcoming committee in Bethlehem. There was no red carpet to be rolled out for this King of Kings. The message of Christmas is this. In Christ, God has taken a thousand steps toward us. And by His Spirit, He says to us, Won't you take one tiny step toward me? The journey from heaven to earth was the longest journey anyone has ever taken. That's what it meant for God to send forth His Son. And now all God asks is for us to take one tiny step of faith toward Him. And when we do, He meets us right where we are. No one, I think, ever captured this better in the essence of this, of why God sent His Son than the great Christian philosopher and author C.S. Lewis. This is what Lewis said. The Son of God became a Son of Man so that the sons of man might become the sons of God. He came to where we were that He might lift us up to where He is. God doesn't say, climb up here and I'll help you out. No, He comes down to us and He lifts us up to where He is. That's the miracle of the Gospel of Jesus. And I'm wondering in this busy season with all of the tasks and events and everything that you're called upon to be a part of, will you take time this Advent and Christmas, will you take time to thank God for sending Jesus? Are you glad that He came? Have you ever considered what it would be like if He had not come? So my challenge to you today is this. Sometime today, before the day is done, take a few minutes off on your own to think about how different your life would be if Christ had not come. Think back to the way you were before you came to Christ and then list the changes that Christ has made in your life. Where would you be?
if Christ had not come. In just a couple of weeks, Christmas will arrive and families will gather together to open gifts that have been purchased throughout these weeks and months. God has a Christmas gift for you. It's not wrapped in brightly colored paper and tied with fancy ribbon. But instead, His gift is wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. It is the gift of His Son. It's a gift for you. The gift is still there. But you must take one step toward Him and personally receive it. And I firmly believe that you and I will never be able to fully enjoy Christmas until we can look into the Father's face and we can tell Him that yes, we have gladly received His wonderful gift. Have you done that? If not, you can today. As I close this morning, I close with a stanza from Phillips Brooks' wonderful Christmas hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Brooks writes, How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No ear may hear His coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in. Enter into us, O God, again, afresh and new. For some whose hearts are breaking, relationships are worn, some dismantled. For those who are pressed hard, persecuted, walls pressed against, backs pressed against the wall, we pray, O oh God, that that the Word today would remind us that You are a sovereign and a merciful God who is faithful to us. You've not forgotten us. You've not abandoned us. And just as You were preparing the course of human history to, in that exact moment to send forth Your Son, so You have a plan and a purpose for us today. I believe it with all of my heart, and I'm trusting You today. So, Lord, as we close this service of worship, as followers of Yours, we would pray with all of our heart that while we are waiting in this place silently, that You would come in power and glory and with a fresh outpouring of Your Spirit on us today. While we are waiting, will You come? 